is taken from Philippians 4, verses 10 to 23. Thanks for their gifts. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you've had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learnt to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yes, it was good for you to share your troubles with me. Moreover, as, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not as I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what might be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Ephrodites the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Final greetings. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings. Especially, there's a few saints somewhere else, I think. Especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Let's pray as we turn to God's word together. Father God, thank you for ways in which you've been speaking to us over these past few weeks as we've studied this little letter. Thank you for the inspiration it's brought. And may you continue to speak to us now, we pray. Help us to hear the voice and the prompting of your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're coming to the end of uh, Paul's letter. It's been uh, incredibly inspiring and encouraging and uh, challenging as we've sought to apply his message of 2,000 years ago to a fledgling Christian community to our lives today in the middle of the COVID situation and crisis. I've been inspired by the depth of Paul's love for the people he is writing to, the people he is serving, and by the strong sense of community. I've been encouraged by his picture of Jesus and his call to imitate him. I've been challenged, greatly challenged, by the call to rely totally on Christ and by the level of security that Paul so obviously experienced despite his personal circumstances in lockdown in Rome. His is a life 
worth living. And there's further evidence of that in these few verses at the end of chapter 4. As Paul writes of his inner contentment, just want to reread verse 12 to you. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I want some of that, don't you? That sense of contentment in Christ. But in these few minutes this morning, I'm going to tease out more from the middle chunk of that passage that Jan read to us, verses 14 to 19, as we reflect together on the theme of new generosity. Paul has been on the receiving end of some generous gifts from the Philippian church, and Epaphroditus, who we first met way back in chapter 2, has been the carrier pigeon. And Paul feels richly blessed at being remembered and being given these financial gifts. As he draws towards the end of his epistle, he's quick to thank the Philippians for their generosity and remind them of the benefits of a generous attitude. And there are three particular angles on generosity. Um, All of them are picked up in the uh, book that's gone alongside this series, Life Worth Living. Uh, By the way, I've still got two or three copies left, so if anyone's interested, it's a good purchase for summer reading at £7. And it's also reflected in the life group notes which, Paul, uh, which Joe has produced for this week. First of all, we see in these verses that generous giving blesses others. It's obvious, isn't it? When we're on the receiving end of a gift, we feel affirmed. We feel appreciated. We feel noticed. Paul may live in a state of inner contentment, peace, and reliance on God, but a gift from the Philippians has really made his day. It's caused him to rejoice, that word rejoice again, which appears so often during this letter. And I'm always struck by the juxtaposition of verses 13 and 14. He says, first of all, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So he speaks of his dependence on God. But straight after that verse, he says, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Despite that reliance on God, there's still that appreciation of the support of others around him. He's saying, thanks for thinking of me. Thanks for sharing with me. I'm feeling blessed by your generosity and support. The generous giving of the Christchurch community over these past few months has really blessed families struggling to make ends meet and enabled them to put food on the table. The generous giving of the Christchurch community is blessing our mission partners around the world. The generous giving of the Christchurch community is enabling men and women, boys and girls, to hear the good news of Jesus through the weekly ministry of Christchurch. And in turn, that equips each of us in our day-to-day lives, wherever God has placed us. Generous giving blesses others. But there's also something in here about generous giving blessing the giver. There's a great story in this book of Hudson Taylor, the 19th century uh, missionary to China. 
He founded the uh, China Inland Mission and uh, thousands of people came to Christ through his ministry. At the age of 27, he was preparing to go out to China and he was having to work hard during the week to um, begin to save up some money and he was ministering on Sundays. And he was living a very frugal life at the time. He ate a bowl of porridge in the morning and a bowl of gruel on alternate nights. One day, he was asked to go and pray for a poor man and his wife who was dying. And the only money he possessed in the world was a half-crown piece. That was his week's wages. Just think of the equivalent of your week's wages if you're earning. When he saw their poverty, he wanted to give. He said that if he had had two shilling coins and a sixpence, he would have given a shilling. So a decent proportion of what he had. But when he saw the poverty of the mother and the five children, he felt he would gladly have given one shilling and sixpence. As he talked about the love of the Heavenly Father, he then began to feel like a hypocrite, as he was not prepared to trust God without keeping some for himself. At this stage, he would gladly have given two shillings and kept sixpence. Eventually, he responded to their request for prayer and started to pray, Our Father. He struggled through the Lord's Prayer and the husband said, If you can help us, for God's sake, do. And after an immense struggle, he gave them the only money he possessed in the world, the half-crown piece. Joy flooded his heart. He sang all the way home. As he ate his gruel that night, he reminded the Lord that he that giveth to the poor lendeth to the Lord. He asked that the Lord might not let the loan be a long one. And he slept very peacefully that night. The following morning, he received an unexpected letter. And inside, he found a pair of gloves, I'm not quite sure what they're about, and a half sovereign. He had received a 400% return on his investment in 12 hours. And that incident was a turning point in his life, which he came back to time and time again in his ministry. He had learned to trust God in the small things of life, and it helped him in the more serious trials of life. We don't give so that we get back, but so often God blesses us as we give. It may not be in financial terms, it may be in other ways. Paul uses the language of of business in this chapter. So in verse 17, as the Philippians give, Paul's desire is that it might be credited to their account, that they might themselves know more of God's blessing. He uses similar type of investment language In one of his other letters, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, he says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It feels good to give and to see others being blessed, and maybe what we have left goes that little bit further. Generous giving blesses others, but generous giving also blesses the giver. And then thirdly, generous giving blesses God. He is pleased with any outpouring of generosity, given in the right spirit from a clear conscience. In verse 18, he describes the gifts as a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. There we go. A fragrant offering. 
Hmm, smell that. Get my credit card out. Fragrant offering to God. A fragrant offering speaks of something beautiful. It's a similar phrase used by Paul in Ephesians 5 when he speaks of Jesus offering of himself on the cross. A gift freely given, not begrudgingly or as an act of duty, but with a generous heart. Fragrant offering. Let me take you back to the wordle I used uh, earlier on in this series. It's uh, made up of um, all of the words, apart from the sort of ands and buts and ifs, the key words in Paul's letter. The bigger the word, the more prominent it is in the letter. And we see in that Paul's passion that people might know Jesus Christ as Lord. That's what drove his ministry. And that was enabled by the generous giving of God's people. Our passion here at Christchurch is that people might know Jesus Christ as Lord and might become and be built up as whole life disciples of him. The fulfilment of that vision is enabled by the generous giving of folks like yourselves watching at home, folks here in the building. And once again, we want to express our gratitude for all of the ways in which people give of their time and energies and finances to God's work. But I do want to issue a challenge this morning. And I do so mindful that everyone's financial circumstances are different in the current climate. If you're struggling, quietly make us aware of some of the challenges you're facing and maybe we can provide some financial support or some practical support. But the question I want to throw out this morning is, are you able to be a blessing to Christchurch and those we serve at this time? It's such a vital part of partnering in God's mission. I haven't been spending anything like as much as I usually do during lockdown. There haven't been those opportunities to spend on uh, sort of leisure, sort of lifestyle spending, uh, the odds, you know, coffee, cappuccino, whatever. That sort of spending has been greatly reduced. And so I've been asking God, you know, what, what do you want me to do, Lord, with that money that I may have saved that I'm not spending? Do I just squirrel it away? Do I wait until I can spend it on something I've really wanted for a long time? But actually I've felt a nudge, even as I was preparing this sermon, that God wanted me to, uh, to give. And I've acted according with that this week. If you're in a similar position, what might God be saying to you? In addition to that first fruits giving we speak of, giving of your very best, giving the first fruits to the Lord, might God be prompting? Now, Again, I issue that challenge aware that there is a struggle for many financially at this time. For some of you, it may be a real challenge just to keep uh, your current levels of giving to God's work where they are. We understand that. It's between us and the Lord. But let's all be asking ourselves that question. So, pretty appropriate time just to remind people of the parish giving scheme, which is the most efficient way of giving to God's work here at Christchurch. It enables you to give in a planned way 
and we can benefit from reduced admin, from uh, claiming gift aid automatically, and it really helps us with our budgeting. Most of you will have seen the brief update in the MailChimp communication at the end of the week um, about the church's finances, and as with most uh, charities and many businesses and individuals, there are particular pressures at the moment. So how might God be prompting us to respond to further his work in this place and through this place? God loves a generous giver. And as we give, we bless others. We are blessed and we bless God. I finish though back with Hudson Taylor. He wrote a letter to his sister and in it he said this, he wrote this. If I had a thousand pounds, China should have it. If I had a thousand lives, China should have them. No, not China, but Christ. Can we do too much for him? Can we do enough for such a precious saviour? We give and serve as a response to one who has given of his all for us. That mindset and that passion for Jesus prompts our giving and our service. And that has been abundantly clear in this most wonderful of letters that Paul wrote all those years ago, but which is just as relevant to us today. And so may it continue to inspire us long beyond the end of this series. Thanks be to God.